The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. And speaking of back normal again, good transition. Mm -hmm. The Vikings get the win. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. I'm falling apart. Uh-huh. I got to get this stat out because it might be the most amazing stat. <laughs> Give me one more cough. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. That's right. That was Ahmed Farid choking on himself last week. Yeah, last week at some point. Yeah. Yes, he's recovered. You're doing okay, right? That was an energy drink. Energy it drink. Was a bad mm. swallow. It yeah. went into my lungs. Right. It went into my lungs. Yeah, so now your lungs are infected by bad energy drink stuff. <laughs> right, so we got issues. And uh, it will uh, happen again today. Yeah. Because no, it, it happens won't. every no, time. It won't. No. It will no, not happen right. today. You're Think wearing positive. your lucky red pants, it's and it refuses to happen on a day like this. That's not the only thing lucky. That is not the only thing lucky. This is Chris Sims unbuttoned. Yes. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid, by me, presented by Under Armour. We are always very thrilled to have them as our sponsor. And, yes, go ahead. We have a fashion statement Boom. outside of my Boom. red pants. Boom. If you're watching on YouTube or Peacock as Boom. well, Chris Sims Boom. has his... You got your curries. My Steph curries. You finally got them. Wait, limited edition, like, haven't been released cookie monster. All right? Yeah. Curry Flow 9. You see that? Look at the box, everybody, if you're watching. Look at the box by Ahmed's feet there. Yes. I mean, like, look look at this. is pretty plush right there. It says Curry Flow. It's like a crate. It's Pete a crate. was carrying around. He's like, it's heavy. It's, it's like a, a crate. crate. Yes. It's got designs on the front of it. It is a special edition Sesame Street cur- uh, Cookie Monster. What up, Steph Curry? Curry Flow 9s. And yeah. it came, there's like some fur inside the box. Yes. I'm going to take that box home with me. I'm going to keep the box. You, yeah. can, you keep the shoes. I'm going to keep the box. And the name of the shoe is Taking Cookies. Okay? Taking Cookies. Okay. That's what, that's what Steph Curry does right now. He just oh my gosh. taking cookies for three-point land all day. Boom. What boom. a time to be in His partnership. His hands in the cookie jar all yeah. the time. <laughs> what a time to be in partnership with Steph Curry. It's Seriously. always a good time, but yeah. he is now taking over the NBA fire. again. Right. It is. It seems like we're like uh, it's like three years ago again where you're just like, does Golden State about to yeah. just go on an unbelievable run here again? All right, but so, got to so, respect him. Got to so, respect um, So there's a little fur on the, like, what is it, the tongue of the shoe yeah. there? Yeah. So off the record here, you can be honest with me. Sure. Do you like them? Will you wear those around? I will wear them around 100 percent I'll, th- I'll tell you what first off I, like, I like them too i um they're very comfortable and you know me with like my solid colors as far as like i wear all black or yes. all blue yep. or all gray uh-huh like this will go with all of that it does so that's where i really base my sneakers on most of the time uh so 100 percent, you'll be seeing me wear these uh at every every podcast until 
um, until uh, <clears throat> Under Armour wants to send me more, <clears throat> and then I'll wear <clears throat> more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and send me the crate. I'll take the crate. Chris take the shoes, but I'll take the shoes as well. Yeah. All right, so that's good. We both feel good now. You feel good on your I feel feet. Feel good, right? I feel good on my legs. You're right not here. choking. I'm here not choking yet. And we had a uh, we had a week in the NFL where some teams did choke again. Some really good teams. Now it's it's going to be hard because it seems like a lot of these games, a significant number of these games, you say, um, you, you go injuries have wreaked havoc on yes. some of these teams. Right. Right? Some of the playmakers are out. Dallas yeah. are out. Tiny right. Tennessee is out. Right. But um, having said that, you got to win the games when they're on the schedule, and injuries are a thing in every season of the NFL. So. Are you ready to go through it? Yeah, let's go do it. Go through uh, you know all it. the games from Week 11 that we've had uh, so far on Sunday. We'll start with the game of the day, and we didn't know it was going to be this. No. It ended with uh, the Sunday Night Football. We like when it's this. Here oh, of course we do. Chargers. It's even close. We're like, it's the Sunday Night Football game, <laughs> game of the day. <laughs> Chargers defeat the Steelers uh, 41-37, the final score here. It looked like it was going to be a blow. It looked like the Chargers, okay, they're back. They no had doubt. some bumps in the road. Right. We thought they were a for-sure playoff team. Now we don't know. Okay, that offense is back. Austin Eckler's got four touchdowns. But you got to give the Steelers a lot of credit. A lot of credit. 27 points in the fourth quarter alone. Right. They came back from 17 down, yeah. 14 down a couple times. Uh, Big Ben comes back after having COVID the week before. Yeah. I almost wish this had happened you know, at the beginning of the pandemic because we wouldn't have been as scared about COVID. <laughs> yeah, right. Ben came ben, back that, and had maybe his best game of the I year. I mean, it just shows you with Ben. Like, you know, yesterday, just to, just to hit on that quickly, like Drew Brees and I were talking before we did our, our Football Night in America show. And Tariko asked Drew, he's like, so what do you think, like, with him not having practice? And, like, we kind of both looked at each other and kind of, like, grinned. Because we're both like, I mean, practice to Big Ben is just not the same as everybody else. He's, hey, the part of the reason I've always loved him is he's a little bit of just like, hey, just let me go out and play and let me do my thing and yeah. I'll make it happen. And that's what he is. I don't think he was ever at one point probably stressed that he was missing practice, like rhythm and timing, having done interviews with him in the past. I don't even think there are thoughts with him at times. They're really not. He's just like, oh, is he open? I'm going to throw it. Oh, I'm Big Ben. I know how to throw a football. I was put on earth to do this. Uh, and you're right. It was like riding a bike for him. He certainly didn't seem to fault much at all last yeah, night. Will Caldwell said, damn okay, Ben Roethlisberger with minimal defense and almost non-existent run game. He headed a furious comeback there. Yeah. Um, so let's just, because we're already talking about the Steelers, we'll right. get to the Chargers here in a second. Yeah. It's a loss for the Steelers, right. but a lot of positives coming out of this this loss. What do you think? I mean, they're, they're still in the mix here, 5-4-1 and one in an AFC North that's up and down. Did you see things in this game that you're like, all right, that, that's going to help them the rest of the way through. Well, yeah, I think at least on the offensive side of the ball, maybe that's something they can build on because that was the big thing we've talked about all year, right? I mean, you know, I know you haven't been on here every week on a Monday, but it's been like a lot of the time, hey, Pittsburgh, just offense, if you stay out of the way, mm-hmm. you're going to have a chance to win the game. Well, last night was like the first night. It was like, wait, defense is not the same. It's yeah. not. They're banged up. You know, Herbert was on fire. Right, Fitzpatrick out, T.J. Watt out. I mean, it's arguably two of the best at their positions in all of football, not playing on your defense. So it was the first time we looked at it where I really felt like, man, by about halfway through the first quarter, I was like, oh, this doesn't look good. Like, Pittsburgh's defense is not going to be able to slow them down. There's no chance. And, yeah, with the pressure on them, they still found ways to drive the ball down the field for the most part of the game. You know, of course, we know the defense and special teams set up some plays as well. But I do think it's at least a little bit of, like, light at the end of the tunnel to go, wait, they don't need to be the most boring offense in the history of football to win a game. They can maybe push the envelope. Big Ben seems to be seeing the field pretty well 
as of late and at least set into a groove. You know, so I think that's the encouraging thing to look at. I was discouraged, though, ultimately, too, that they didn't they, – I, I want to see what the Chargers were doing ultimately on defense because I was a little shocked that Pittsburgh didn't run the ball with a little more success hmm. against a not good, you know, run, run-stopping run defense with the Chargers. Uh, and I, I want to see – I guess what I couldn't tell is were the Chargers going all in to stop the run and that just forced Pittsburgh to say, okay, we got to throw the football? Or was it one of those things where they just got to feel like, man, we're just not blocking them tonight and we got to rely on the pass game a little bit more – that's an answer I can't give you until I watch the film. But yeah. either way, when you see Claypool, Deontay Johnson healthy for Pittsburgh on the offensive side of the ball, and Big Ben not trying to do too much, uh, they can still make plays and move the football. Some of that could have been game script, too. They, you know, they were down so significantly, they just started throwing the ball around. Although they only ended up with, what, 300 yards? No, I know. I, exactly right. You know, um, I mean, hey, they were, they were this close at one point to us going, oh, oh, shit, they're about to get blown out of the gym here. Totally. It's 27-10. I don't know what they're going to be able to do. And then they managed to put a, together an ugly field goal drive, and then it was the block punt. Uh, the next drive after that, and then all of a sudden we had a football game once again. Uh, so give credit to the Chargers for ultimately not chargering away this game. They won at 533 yards total offense. Uh, we mentioned Austin Eckler. He's the first player with multiple rush touchdowns and yeah. multiple receiving touchdowns in a single game right. since 2011. Maurice Jones-Drew, he was pretty good at that. Yeah, he was. The he was. So he, he's a weapon for them. Uh, four touchdowns last night. He had three previously all season, but... I think the story was was the quarterback play, 100%, Justin Herbert. Thank you. He had yes. 90 yards rushing, uh, and he just there were times where he had to step up and make a play, and it was like, okay, is he going to do it? Yeah. And they did ultimately with a 53 yard touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it really throughout the whole night, I, you know, really, that was the story of the game. I think until the comeback at the very end of the fourth quarter, it yeah. was like. Hey, Austin Eckler, great game. Yes, the four touchdowns. I love that. But, I mean, you know, what I said last night on Peacock, I just it was the Justin Herbert show. I mean, it was Justin Herbert. He was, he was unbelievable in the football game. I mean, he went through a time there where, I mean, I, I believe he was like 24 or 27 or 24 or 28. It just seemed like you weren't going to get him off the field on third down. If he did get pressure, he was going to break the pocket and run the football. He was doing everything. I mean, he was tearing up the Steelers' defense. Here's my biggest thing, I think, Ahmed, that I take away from the game. Credit to the Chargers, played really well. Credit to the Steelers for coming back, battling, being the Steelers. That's just what they are. Mm-hmm. They never die. They really don't. Collins were set it right. You know, Tomlin's a psycho, and the rest of his team's a psycho because of that. So they're never. They're always like, "What? You know, it's a cage match, and I'm missing a leg. We still can win. I'm going to come back. I don't care. You chop my leg off. Yeah. That's just their mentality. That was maybe a horrible analogy, but you got what I'm saying. And <laughs> yeah. it made you giggle, so it might have been good. They need, the, but, they need their legs, or maybe they don't. Yeah, maybe yeah. they don't. <laughs> right, right. But I think the thing I took away from the game more than anything was. Pittsburgh looked very simple on defense. That was the biggest thing. You know, I, I, I think what I'm mad at myself for not evaluating the matchup, you know, prior mm. is just going, wait, no Minka, who's the quarterback of their defense, no Joe Hayden. So now they're starting some young secondary players. And Pittsburgh's defense is very intricate and detailed and, and, and you know, confusing. You know, they're, they're schematically definitely one of the more advanced defenses in football for what they do. Right. And I feel like, you know, they had two legs chopped off because, last night with all the players they're missing. And then, of course, no T.J. Watt. It's a gruesome game. Gruesome <laughs> game. Gruesome, <laughs> gruesome cage the match. Leg, yeah. Limbs were all but over the field. they didn't get to play the style of defense they wanted to play. So, to me, it was like, one, yeah, one, they were under undermanned. Yeah. There was no the, the Jimmys and the Joes. But because there was no Jimmys and the Joes, the X's and O's – were affected by that too. 
and I don't think you got to see a true Steelers defense performance to where, like, again, if these two teams played each other in the playoffs and the Steelers defense was different, I think Justin Herbert would see a different experience altogether than he did last night. Yeah, what happened on that? Did you you know exactly? It looked like a blown coverage, although although after the game, Herbert was like – it was something we'd seen all game. We just took advantage in the fourth quarter. I don't know what he well, meant yeah, by well, that. It, it was a cover two defense. Sutton, the left corner, was you know he's responsible for the flat route. Now, he jumped the slot receiver mm-hmm. who didn't really come out to his area. So in a normal cover two rule, that would not be something you'd do. Now, again, Pittsburgh will do some crazy stuff every now and then where you go, that's not really textbook or the way that's supposed to be right. done. But they'll play like, hey, when they have two receivers this side, they'll throw the slot receiver a lot. Just jump it. We'll take a chance every now and then. That's what it looked like happened. Um, but either way, it left a huge gaping hole down the left sideline. And Edmonds, I believe it was the safety on that side, he just couldn't get over there fast enough right. you know, with Herbert and the way he threw the football. And that was it. But to me, yes, it looked like a blown coverage. Typically in cover two like that, all right, Sutton would jam the receiver, make him go on the outside, go on an outside release. That's his rules to make him go outside. Yep. And then he's supposed to now get his eyes back inside and look at the slot receiver. If the slot receiver is coming out and threatening the flat, then he sits and tries to make a play on it. But if there's nothing coming to the flat, which there wasn't there, right. you're supposed to then continue to retreat and kind of help you know, the hole be smaller there to where, hey, I'm getting back with the wide receiver and the safety's coming over there. Do you really want to try to fit that in? So, yeah, to me it looked like he took a chance and, yeah. and he got, you know, caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Credit to the Chargers. Oh, very good. Like cookie that? reference. We're going to do that the whole Boom. podcast. Boom. Uh, six and four for the Chargers now. They're, what, a, game, a half a game back of Kansas City here who are seven and four. So they're, they're in the mix. They're in the mix. They're in the mix. And every team this year is going to be in the mix, except for the Detroit Lions and maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jets. And, and the, the Texans. Jets. But every team, right. we're going to be saying that. It's going to be like Steve Kornacki is going to be on the show. And he is going to be, the board's going to be this filled up. This team's got but, 20%. This guy's <laughs> team's got 21%. Exactly. This team's got 21.5%. Which yeah, no. will be awesome. It will I be awesome. the last couple weeks of the year are going to be so significant in parsing these teams and who's going to be out of the playoffs and who's going to be maybe a four seed or well, a three it seed. It is. It's amazing. The, the AFC is amazing. And, you know, I know it's a game. Well, maybe we'll break it down later. I'm not even sure if it's on our docket today. But, yeah, I mean, here's. We're doing all the games. What do you mean? We are. We do even last Thursday. No, we don't do Thursday. Thank you. That's what so, we don't do. That's so, our one rule. We don't do Thursday. I mean, Kansas City, who has not played its best ball, but is starting to slowly get better and better. Uh, here they are. Nobody put them away, and here they are leading the AFC West and watch out. And to me, again, here's something I'll say. I mean, the Patriots are playing the best football in the AFC. The mm-hmm. Patriots are the best team in the AFC right now. Period. They are. I mean, nobody has continued to gone upward consistently, both sides of the ball. And that, to me, is what's crazy about the AFC right now. If you made me take like a one-game matchup with anybody right now, I I mean, the Patriots, I think they match up against everybody in the AFC. And, yes, they're back. So, sorry, there's your Thursday night last week preview. That's uh, illegal on this podcast. The (laughs) fact that you would pick them right now over the Chiefs, who is our next team to talk about, is pretty significant. And the Chiefs do kick off this week's edition of Damn OK, presented by Under Armour. Damn. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambling. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. 
So this is damn okay. Teams or players that make us go, damn, okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Uh-huh. And so Pete has named this the don't look now edition of damn okay. So we're going to say don't look now. That Chiefs defense is looking yeah. pretty good. 100%. So, uh, the question now is, are they a top-tier defense? So the last uh, four games versus the first seven games, I think we have a graphic on that, and they have stepped up significantly here over the last four. They're 4-0 in the last four games. Points allowed per game over the last four, under 12, where it was 29 points a game previously in the first seven games. So some of that is competition. Right. You know, Jordan Love against the Packers got a break there. Um, but The Giants. Yeah, the Giants. They played the Giants, but they did beat the they did play the Raiders. Beat the Raiders. The Raiders' yeah. offense is not a slouch. What'd yeah. you say, Pete and Mir? All yeah. right, and it, then of course, but then then, but, then but last week kind of shits on all of that. Yesterday, I mean, they beat Dallas exactly. You know, they didn't have Amari Cooper. Right, C.D. Lamb Sam got, got hurt. hurt in the yep. middle of the game. I got you, but still, you got that running game. You got Dak Prescott still, and they held him to nine points, no touchdowns. Nineteen to nine was the final score. So. Don't look now. Is that Chiefs defense back? Yeah, Are they I'm, elite? Are they top tier? I, I, I'm not ready. I don't. Throw top tier ish. Top, top tier ish. They are. They are. I mean, they're getting there. They are. You know, again, I even saw lights of this and people who've been listening to the podcast they, when they lost the Tennessee Titans 27 to 3. I was trying to tell you, I think you, I know Paul a number of times where I went, they played pretty good on defense that day. It was the offense that fucked it up. I mean, again, that was a game where Henry, I think, had 29 rushes for 86 yards. They played okay. It wasn't the defense's fault. So we've seen that. I give them a lot of credit for, I think, the adjustments they've made. One, they've gotten healthy. So they've gotten, you know, linebacker healthy. Two, they've moved Chris Jones back to defensive tackle, which has been a huge thing. And, of course, we saw his, the force he is yesterday. I mean, that just says it all. That's why they need to keep him there. And, again, I'm, I'm self-scouting myself. I know before the year I thought it was going to be a cool idea that Chris Jones was going to be a defensive end, too. But I also know self-scouting myself by, like, week four, I was like, oh, I've seen enough. He needs to go back to defensive tackle. It's not working. You see how many more plays he affects. Not only just fucking the plays up, pushing the pocket, you know, disrupting a run play, tip pass at the end of the game that puts it away. He's one of the greatest in football at tipping passes. That's another thing that goes away. Then a proper adjustments in the secondary, you know, Sorensen out, Thornhill in. Um, you know, uh, benching um, – I'm going to bank on his name the, – the, the, Mike Hughes. They bench Mike Hughes. They start Legereus Sneed mm. and have Char- Charvarius Ward at corner. Fenton's been playing more than nickel position. So I think they've gotten their players right first off. And then I think the shock of the day to me, Ahmed, was just – one, yes, they pushed around the Cowboys' offensive line, and Chris Jones dominated the interior three. He really did. Didn't matter what guard it was, they had issues. And then I think the second thing would be, yeah, I know there was no C.D. Lamb you know, in the second half of the game and no Omar. C.D. Lamb was out there in the first half of the game, and I also know he dropped a pass and, and Dak wasn't on his best game, but... Still, like Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson can go. They can go. They're, yeah. they're, I, to, for me to sit here and think, oh, the Chiefs are going to be sticky and all over them all game the way they were, I think that was almost just as shocking as the, the Chiefs' D-line kind of dominating the Cowboys' offensive line. So unbelievable damn okay for the Chiefs' defense. Yeah, we definitely got a couple damn okays for players that you mentioned there. Mehmet 305 saying damn okay. Chris Jones and his three-and-a-half sacks. He's unbelievable. Recovery. 
the CEO of Sack Nation. Yeah. Would you make him the CEO of Sack Nation? He's definitely in uh, upper management. Well, he's 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 the CEO to me. Him and Aaron Donald and anybody that's listened to my podcast the last three or four years, I would go. They're de- he's definitely a CEO of fucking the play up. That's what I do know. A hundred percent. He's just a disruptor, and he makes so many plays that'll never go in the stat sheet, like we always talked about. So yes, I mean he is phenomenal that way. And then we had a Frank Clark sighting, and like you just you see once he gets going, it brings energy to the rest of the defense, and of course the offensive line becomes so concerned about him it helps everybody else out in their matchups so maybe the cto the chief technology officer of defensive back play is legeria sneed because there were people talking about him as well drail too said damn okay chiefs defense is there a cornerback in the league other than maybe jalen ramsey as good at open field tackling mm. and making plays in the backfield as legeria sneed now per pff pro football focus right Sneed has eight tackles for a loss or no gain this season. The only corner with more is Jalen Ramsey wow. with 10. Yeah, well, it makes sense. They move those guys around. Sneed plays inside. He plays outside. They will blitz him. You know, he's kind of a weapon that way. He can really fly so he can cover, but when he does blitz off the edge, he could show up in a hurry and make plays that way. He is. He's phenomenal. He made a few plays yesterday where, you know, I, I can't remember what receiver it was or maybe it was a running back and a check down. You went, well, there's a lot of space is he going to be able to make this tackle? And he brings him right down. You know, he is. He's a really good football player. And I think that's what's really impressive about the Chiefs right now. Now they got the D, bat, the D the right way. Their ability to play man and just not give you any easy completions. And then they sprinkle in a little bit of Spagnolo magic as far as disguises and some crazy coverages. And all of a sudden you go, whoa, wait, we can't block them up front. When they play man-to-man, it's not easy. And... They have a few crazy zone coverages that confuse you and make the quarterback pat the ball once or twice, and it helps the pass rush get there. That's when you're playing good defense. And to me, that's what they've gotten to a little bit here. But, yeah, I think mm, that's a good way to put it. I mean, Ramsey is, of course, I w- yes, probably the best tackling uh, defensive back as far as corners are concerned in mm-hmm. all of football. Um, Snead is up there. There's no doubt. I, I think of J.C. Jackson. He's another one that's a phenomenal tackler that way. Uh, so, yeah, he's in that discussion. I don't think there's any doubt. As I'm sitting here looking at the teams and kind of rolling through corners in my mind and trying to think about anybody else, uh, but he's up there. And just the physical nature of how they're playing on that side of the ball, um, like amazing, just the, the, the 180 they've had in the last five, six weeks. Now, the fact that we've been talking about the Chiefs for so long in this podcast already and really haven't talked about the offense yeah, at all. no. Did the defense kind of, their, their performance and their resurgence here, is that covering up some weakness on the offensive side? Because the Chiefs scored 16 points on their first three possessions, right. and then it, you know they score three after that. Yeah, what do you think of the Chiefs' offense? Well, I, I, a lot of still a lot of positives. I mean, here's yeah. the third week in a row we've seen them. Okay, let's see. It's Giants, Raiders, this game, right? That's the last three where you've gone. Okay, hasn't been pretty, but you know they're pretty consistent. Mahomes definitely looks different. That's what I'll say more than anything. Everything was around the line of scrimmage. Everything was around the line of scrimmage. You know, it looked like Dallas was playing the typical Kansas City defense. We're not going to let up the big play. We do see better execution, you know. And then it just, listen, they had chances to put the game away. I mean, you know, Kelsey catching the slant route. On what was that a was that a first down or a third? I mean, he's going to have a first down. I think it was a third and six. You know that pops in the air interception by the Cowboys. That was a chance for them to put the game away. You know, of course, Mahomes in the pocket, scrambling, kind of losing sight of who was around him, and then getting you know strip sack there at one point too. Uh, and I believe that was was that was that Michael Parsons who got that one because. 
I mean, talk about a freak show. That guy's a freak show. I mean, that was the that's the other point. He's of this a freak game, show. Is that he? He's unbelievable. I didn't mean to just go down like a right hand turn there, but he's one of the best defensive players in football already. You know, the fact that he can be one of the best middle linebackers, and then you could go, oh, you know, this week we want to play him at defense end, and he's one yeah. of the better pass rushers on the field. I mean. That's insane. It really is. I, I've never seen a skill set quite like that. I really can't. But, you know, the Chiefs' offense is close. And you know what I like? A little patience with the run. Again, they have a big old line. Let's keep doing that. I want to see more Tyree Kill speed sweeps and reverses. I want to see McCall Hardman involved in that, too. To me, that has to be a part of their offense. That'll help generate some of the big plays, too. You know, hey, run the ball. Oh, there was six yards. Oh, here's a reverse, 12 yards around the edge. Okay, hey, now we drop back and pass the ball, 15 yards. Oh, wait. Oh, we fake the reverse and fake the run and it's a play action pass and now we got somebody like yeah, that's to me where they got to just continue to get better and, and grow their offense and even like the wide receiver screen game that would be the other thing too add that to the mix there just has to be a little bit more going on around the line of scrimmage to open up the big plays again but I do like what I've seen from the Chiefs at least it's going in the right direction yeah not all pretty on the offensive side no. for either team here but both teams walk away from this game in first place in their respective divisions Kansas City 7-4 and four. Dallas is 7-3 and three. They are, though, just a couple games, like what is it, two and a half games here, it looks like, ahead of a team that is charging hard. The Dallas Cowboys on their heels, the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh, they baby. defeat the Saints 40 to 29. Yeah. So, damn, damn okay. Damn this. okay. Damn and okay. Don't look now, but the Eagles, do they have the best running game in the NFL Ooh, right now? Well, it, it's, it's in that discussion. You know, let me just, let's see. I mean,. When I think about, let's see, running games right now that are the best in football, the Patriots are in that conversation, the Eagles are in that conversation, the Colts are in that conversation, and the Browns, yes. You know, the Browns, to me, they give up on it a little too quickly at times, but I would say those are the teams to look at. Yeah. The hottest one in football, the hottest two in football right now are definitely the Patriots and the Eagles. They they just dominate people. And, and again, the way that they do it with multiple players. I think they do it differently because you think of yes. the Ravens, but you think that's all on the shoulders of Lamar. Right. You know, for right. The most that's part. what I mean. Lamar's, I mean, the Ravens are statistically up there, I'm sure, in the rushing offense, but right. it, it's not. Uh, a good running offense, yeah, quarterback runs are cool, but you've got to be able to run the ball the traditional way, too. And that's where the Eagles can do that. And then they have the Jalen Hurts aspect that makes a double whammy. And I, I've broken them down a little bit, Ahmed, on some Wednesday podcasts lately. Hey, it's again, I know I've said this a lot, they're playing the right way for their football team. They have one of the biggest, most overpowering offensive lines in football. And, um, I mean... If, if the Saints can't stop them, then nobody can. That's, oh, that's, that's what I want to say. There was a question on that. Uh, Dr. Professor Horn says, are you sold that the Eagles can run on anyone now at will that they've run for over 200 against the Saints? Yeah, I am. I, 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 they th can do this against any team I, in the I, NFL. Yes. If you can do it against the Saints, you can do it against anybody. Wow. Yeah, the Saints have more big dudes on the defensive line. This is one – I mean, I picked the Saints to win a close one because I was just like – I don't know if the Eagles can do it against this group. I just did not expect it to that capacity. But, you know, I think with their, the fact that they're patient with it, you know, they got inside zone run plays that they're really good at. They have a few where they pull the center and pull a backside tackle. That's really cool. And you sprinkle that in with the read option and a design quarterback run every now and then, and you got defenses in a tough spot, let alone – 
that usually leads to some one-on-one matchups on the outside, and they got receivers that can beat one-on-one coverage. And that's where I go, like, you know, when you talk about the, the NFC and that playoff picture right now, I know Minnesota's six, New Orleans is seven. You know, they're both five and five. 49ers are five and five. Eagles are five and six. I look at the Eagles and San Francisco, I think, to be the two dangerous teams there. Yeah. You know, I think I would take them to win the matchup against Minnesota, New Orleans, or even Carolina. Uh, I would favor those two teams, I think, over the rest. To speak to how impressive this was for the Eagles once again against the Saints team that did have the NFL's best run defense entering the game with just 73 rush yards allowed per game. So the Saints have allowed 220 or more rush yards just twice since 2014. One was yesterday what? versus the Eagles. Right. Is one last year against the Eagles too? <laughs> yeah, the other one was last season versus the Eagles as well. Right. It, so there's there's a matchup issue. I mean, the Eagles, again, why they won the Super Bowl four years ago and, you know, again, why they were able to go to the playoffs three years in a row because of that was yeah, they, they're big. I mean, they're, they're a big physical football team. You know, and, and you break down that offensive line when you get to Lane Johnson and Kelsey and then Mylotta and now Landon Dickerson at left guard. Uh, they got like four out of five where you go, they're a true ass, ki- ass kickers there. So you you make mistakes and throw interceptions on early drives like Trevor Simeon did, give them a short field and the way they're running the football right now, it's going to be tough to beat the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. The Saints without Kamara. Without Armstead, without Ramchek in this game, you got Trevor Simeon at quarterback. How worried are you about them? Well, I mean, it's like, what is this, three weeks in a row where there's, there's no offense until the last quarter of the game. Uh, you know, I think that's what concern, concerns me a little bit. It's just it's hard for them to generate points or, or yards at all um, in the early parts of the football game. So I think that's where I'm concerned, and that's where I, I go like, all right, cool, Trevor Simeon's cool, but – you know, when when might we see Taysom Hill here at some point? You know, to me, yeah. and, and, and you know, I've heard Taysom Hill's maybe a little banged up, and that's part of the reason maybe he's not in this conversation a little bit more. But, like, they need some other advantage on the offensive side of the ball right now. And just a straight-back drop passing game with Trevor Simeon and a bunch of receivers who are young and underwhelming and figuring their way out – yeah, I am concerned about their offense. You know, I just it's a lot of pressure on their defense week after week after week to hold down the fort and let the offense be average. And as you try to make plays, sometimes you make a play for the other team. Like at the end of the first half, Darius Slay makes another big well, play, big play Slay, 51 that's yards what on the they, interception return. Exactly right. I mean, interception to start the game. You know, down and I can't remember who that was that intercepted it. it was the the the, the linebacker 57 um, Edwards, I believe. So he he has that interception, which leads to a touchdown. Yeah, you throw a pick six at the end of the half. I mean, that's 14 points. I mean, again, you know, it's 27 to seven at the half. You take that away and go, oh, it's 13 seven. Yeah, it's a different football game. I know that's not like apples to apples, but yeah, that's those are huge mistakes, no doubt about it. And T.J. Edwards, thank you, uh, Pete Demoletis. So some big plays on defense for the Eagles. Uh, the running game over 175 yards for the fourth straight game. First time the Eagles have done that since 1950. But they did not have one guy run for 185, as you see there, what the Eagles have done here the last four weeks, beating up on the Lions, beating up on the Chargers, running all over the Broncos, and now doing it against the best run defense in the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. So that's impressive. So was Jonathan Taylor for the Colts. Damn okay, and don't look now edition. Don't Boom. look now, but is Jonathan Taylor with Derrick Henry on the sidelines yeah. currently the best running back in the NFL? Uh, yes. 
I, I think I think it's him and Nick Chubb. I would go. It's one of those two. You know, and of course Nick Chubb's been banged up. So I think over you give, Delvin Cook, over Christian McCaffrey. I think right now, yes, I would. I would. I, what these two guys have is this is where they're to me a notch above the other two who are really special. Don't get me wrong; those two have an advantage maybe in the pass game a little bit. What they can do there, yeah, in the open field they can make you miss and break ankles. I don't think you can really put McCaffrey in that class as of right now just because he hasn't played enough football, in my opinion, over the last two years. But I know what you're saying. But where Chubb and Taylor are different to me is straightaway speed, they're every bit as fast or if not faster than Cook and McCaffrey. So they can break the 80-yard run just like they can. And then they're bigger people. So, like, as you saw yesterday, Jonathan Taylor can make a lot of runs where it's between the tackles and somebody hits him and he runs for another five yards and then hits somebody else hits him. And then he goes down. You go, well, damn, he got 12 yards after contact there. I mean, it was a little hole. I get it. But once he gets some steam, watch out. And, um, yeah, he's making Jersey proud right there. Jonathan Taylor, man. It's Jersey, Jersey made. He's playing awesome. And, again, not that I'm good at picking games, but one thing I know I'm good at is evaluating t- teams and saying what you should do. And I think Frank Reich, I want to go, I'm just thanks to him. I, I've been sitting here. I think Pete would tell you, run the damn football, Colts. That's when you're best. Again, they have an old line that's very good. They have some good creative run game design, and then the best player on their offense is the running back. So let's get him the ball a lot, and that was awesome. Yeah, Frank Reich said on Sirius XM Radio on Thursday, he goes, Jonathan Taylor, an amazing player, an amazing person. Right now, the workload that he's getting, we don't feel like he's overworked. No. In fact, a lot of people telling me yes, I should he's give under. it to him even more. Yes. That might be – that's a call-out to Chris Sims yeah, right it might, I Hopefully, he's listening every now and then. Do you have then. his number? I uh, I do have Frank Reich's number. I do, but I'm not you texting him or calling him. him. You no, have, that I wasn't you. I promise you. I promise you that. No. He goes, um, we give it to him somewhere around 18 to 20 times a game yeah, as far it's as carries. Yeah, got to be more right now. He goes, I'd like to build that. I'd actually like to see it increase. That's what he said on Thursday. Yeah. Then yeah. he runs 32 times, 185 yards, five total touchdowns when you add the receiving one uh, in there. But Karan T, 0078, says damn okay, Colts offensive line. Yeah, Got to give it. some love there, who are finally playing to their potential right. and making Wentz and Taylor's jobs easier. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Eric Fisher's healthy. He's playing better. I know Nelson got banged. Quentin Nelson got banged up yesterday a little bit. Somebody fell on his leg or foot. I hope he's okay because, yeah, he was he's finally healthy or was going into this game somewhat healthy. So, yes, their offensive line. Again, a little what we just talked about the Eagles or what we talk about with any good team. You know, it's where what's the unit that's special? You know, what's the unit that's being paid a lot of money? That's how you connect dots to go, wait, you know, one, is that area performing well? Oh, they're not? Then they're, they've misallocated their money. Or you go, wait, like, you know, going the strength of the team, are we taking advantage of everything that it has to give us there? And that's where I would get to Frank Reich and go, no, there was some games there where they got a little too pass happy. It was too like, hey, let's let Carson drop back again. And I want to go, damn, you're gashing them in the run game. What the hell? Don't give up on it. So uh, to me, it makes sense for them. It makes sense for Carson Wentz. You know, T.Y. Hilton hasn't been 100%. You know, there's no Paris Campbell. So they're not going to be able to get the deep pass plays maybe to the capacity they want to. They got to keep running the football the way they are uh, because it's the best thing they do on their football team. So I was glad to see that. I mean, it's the patience in the run game and then the Jonathan Taylor touchdown catch where yeah. they – They faked the run to him, and he went out the back door. I mean, see, that to me is where Frank Reich is really good. He always has a few plays every game where I go, man, that was creative and smart. And he saw something on film where they lose track of that guy. 
Uh, so to di- know, not only to draw it up, but to know when to dial it up, very special that way. And they had it rolling, and of course, you know, Buffalo was shitting all over themselves, messing things up. Well, that's the head-scratcher part of the game. Our good friend Corey Jeskowitz says, Josh Allen throws lasers every week. Why did it seem like the rain and the wind really affected him yesterday? Yeah, it, well, you know, you grip the ball hard, you're throwing the ball hard in slippery, wet conditions. It's hard to control the football. It is. And what's hard for them is they don't have anything else to rely on other than him throwing the ball hard and lasers all over the field. See, this is where, you know, again, I, I know I've been beating this, beating the drum about this, but this, call, this maybe everybody will finally realize the Bills' offense isn't as good as the statistics say. It's, it's, it's a fabrication. It's a mirage. It's, it's again, it's, it's one guy. It's one guy with a sprinkle of Stefan Diggs in there, and that's just not sustainable right now. And, yeah, he lost control of the football, made some bad decisions, you know. And, hey, the game got out of hand. Listen, you know, Colts go down and score. Buffalo drives back. Buffalo drives back. He throws the interception on the fringe field goal area down the middle of the field. Well, Colts go down and score again, 14 nothing. You know, then I know it's, it's – um, let me see if I got this right. Buffalo goes down and scores. It's 14-7, you know. Colts put it together an e- ugly, ugly field goal drive, and then Isaiah McKenzie on the next kick return trips and falls on himself and fumbles the ball, and that leads to another touchdown for the Colts. So it's twenty four seven, and you know again, like we've talked about in the NFL, you know one team playing good and you make a mistake or two, you you find your ass blown out in a hurry in the NFL, and that's what happened to Buffalo. And here's the other last thing I'll say about Buffalo: Buffalo's defense really good. We know that really well coached. But the one reason I thought the Colts could beat them, it was one of my best bets. I chickened out on just picking them to win, but it was one of my best. Was, was the Colts are a little like if they stay patient with the run, I have felt like they could do what the Tennessee Titans did to Buffalo, mm. where they have to just commit so much to stopping the run and being overpowered there and putting people at the line of scrimmage. Then it leads to a handful of easy completions in the pass game. Um, but the, Col- the the Buffalo Bills defense is not real big up front, and yeah, the no ty- no um, no um, Star Lotulele yesterday, and that hurt them, and they were pushed around easily. It's hard to say. Cause Sorry, you look I feel at like the, I talked a lot. There. You look at the no, you look at the Bills record six and four. You look at the Colts record six and five. It's really hard to say that the Colts have not passed the Bills. They're probably as far better, as a, complete as a better team, complete right. football team, definitely. Power rankings, however you want to put it. Agreed. Uh, certainly had the best offensive player in this game, which takes us to points bet. Yeah. Uh, they got updated offensive player of the year odds now, and Jonathan Taylor shot all the way up to the top of the list. Woo! He is now ahead, if you're watching on YouTube or Peacock, ahead of Cooper Cup. He's ahead of Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Devontae Adams, and you got Debo Samuel in there. We'll that, that to about. me is the guy right there where I go, wait, if we're talking non quarterback offensive player of the year, yes. Jonathan Taylor and Debo Samuel, I think, are the two most important to their offense. Both in all over Cooper Cup. Well, Cooper Cup is, I'm going to say he's third because I feel like McVay and Stafford, if they needed to have another guy take that role it yeah. wouldn't be as big of a drop-off I know it's not Cooper Cuff but if like Van Jefferson had to take over that role or Odell does mm-hmm. they're still going to be 
able to function and go as an offense. So it sounds like Devontae Adams might be third for you then. He I, might be even over Cooper may, Cup, Maybe. Right? It's, right, it's right around there, yeah. Adams is so important just because of the way they feed him and everything's orchestrated around him in the pass game. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. But I look at Taylor and Debo Samuel to be the most non-important offensive players in the game right now. I do. You know, again, Taylor, it's an attitude, his talent, you know, his ability to keep them in good down and distance situations. Debo Samuel, you know, he's he's their best running back. He's unbelievable yards after the catch. You know, to me, like those offenses couldn't be what they are right now without their two players. And that's where Jonathan Taylor's special. And I mean, listen, Ahmed, you talk about the 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 Colts. They've won they've won five out of the last six. Yep. They've won Six out of the last eight, okay? And in the two losses, you'd go, they could easily beat the Tennessee Titans in a game where Carson went through the, you know, 360 interception in the end zone or yep. left-handed interception. In the Baltimore Ravens game they lost, they, they controlled the game. They blew it, you know? So to your point, you're exactly right. To me, I think they have surpassed the Bills. They are a more complete, better football team and seem to be trending upwards as we go on in the season here. Do you want to tell them about our friends over at PointsBet? You want to tell? You know uh, I. You know I do. Yes. Yes, I do. Thank you for telling me that, though. Okay. <laughs> if you're in an eligible state, yeah. PointsBet has an exclusive sign-up offer for unbuttoned listeners that you can't miss. What is it? You hear that? You hear that? PointsBet has an exclusive sign-up offer for unbuttoned listeners that you can't miss. Okay. Download the PointsBet app. Use code unbuttoned. We have our code. Uh, we have a code. We got, we got a code. Code red. It's oh, unbuttoned, big. all capitals. Okay, all capitals. You have to do all caps. All caps. Or Our maybe you is, don't. I don't know. Do whatever you want. Do what you if want. If you want to go all caps, go all caps. See what works. All right. Either way, <laughs> that's the code yeah. to sign up. Yeah. All right. So download the PointsBet app. Use code unbuttoned to sign up. Yeah. Bet one dollar on any NFL team, and get a hundred and twenty-five dollars in free bets if a point is scored. If one point is scored. That's so pretty you amazing. Bet on the game, and if one point is scored in the what the whole game, so that's ba- they're basically giving us they're giving they're a free one twenty five. Yeah, they're giving you a free hundred and twenty four dollars. And all you have to do is type in unbuttoned, either all caps yep. or not all caps. Yep. Don't just bet this football season. Live your bet life with uh, points bet. I like that. Yes. So you they want to give you one hundred and twenty. And you're not even a gambler. And before we started the show, you read this, and you were literally like, wait. Yes. When is this coming to Connecticut? I was like, now I am a gambler. <laughs> yeah, I, I gambler. did say that. Yeah. I was like, because currently Connecticut, you can't points bet. But there, I think there are like six or seven states right. out there. So go check. See if you're one of those states. And honestly, I use points bet because they got odds on everything. I, I do it just to check what odds are everywhere. So even though I'm not eligible to bet, I've got the app and I look all around. Yeah, I'm with you. I've Company been doing it too. Man. I'm trying to look at like uh, prop bets lately on there a lot so I can get them right and help out people that way. Yeah. Pete says there have been two scoreless ties in NFL history. So if you... 1940 and 1943. Oh, both involving the Lions. Of course they are. The Lions, well, the Lions were, you guys were probably that team that was like, we don't forget the forward pass. We're going to run it old school. Football wasn't invented. Who knows what the Lions And there was no play clock probably, and we just sat on the ball. Sat on the ball, yeah. So if you you do this bet, don't bet on the Lions, and you will win $125. Uh, that's cool. Uh, bet on the Vikings right now. Oof. Bet on them to get a it's lead. Amazing, because the stat that I could not get out 
last week because I was choking on my energy drink. Right. Much better today yeah, with the everybody energy Everybody sold your stat last week, too. Did you Did they? that? Oh. Everyone was saying it then you after said I said it. You said it on Monday, yeah. and I swear you heard I, it everything everywhere. I listened to from that point on, it was that, that was the stat everybody went to. So the only team to Trend have setter. a seven or more point lead in every game this year is the Minnesota Vikings, which is pretty crazy for a team that was under 500. But they are no longer under 500. Now they are 500 beating the Green Bay Packers in one of the most exciting, perhaps the most exciting back-and-forth game. I think this was the most exciting. Sunday night was good. I found this game to be more compelling. Right. Because teams were healthy for the most part, too. And, yeah, you just felt like you were watching two teams at their full strength rather than last night where you watched, you know, you felt like one team was a little bit handicapped without a few of their guys. So Skull Freak says, love the pod. My nominee for damn okay is Kirk Cousins against what many considered a top defense Cousins delivered. So here's the question. Don't look now. Is Kirk Cousins having a top tier quarterback season? He definitely is. I, you know, again, Kirk Cousins never gets the credit he deserves. No. I mean, it's just it's for for some reason he's easy to beat on that way. He's had some bad games in prime time, maybe when everyone's no watching. doubt, right? They've they've had you know again their offense doesn't always deliver itself to be like this unbelievable executing surgical offense. They don't have a, a lot of it. Again, as we've talked about many a times, it's it's run the ball and it's it's big plays down the field off of that. You know, I and mean, that's what they got yesterday. That's where I'm excited to go back and watch that game. I just don't know how, how would, how, I know a few times how they got open. I do, you know, but, you know, consistently throughout the day, he found ways to push the ball down the field to Justin Jefferson, especially. And of course, Adam Thielen popped here and there. Um, yeah, that, that to me, I think was the surprise of the day was the fact that they were able to gash the Packers defense the way they did. Yeah, and a lot of it was under pressure. He was pressured on 43% of his dropbacks, third most of any quarterback this week, but went 7 of 14, 149 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions in those plays. One of them was that awesome touchdown late in the game to Jefferson where he was just that drilled. That was blitz, got drilled, up. one maybe, on one. Maybe he got a little unlucky or got a little lucky, but still, it was like he threw it up one on one. Jefferson yeah. made a play. Uh, he he was really good, and I think there are stats out there that say he is having an elite season throwing intermediate. His completion percentage is super high on passes, even 10 or more yards down the field. He's phenomenal at those throws. I would bet you in football the last three, four years, he's towards the top of the list in that statistical category. You know, again, his ability to read a defense, diagnose it, pull the trigger, and make an aggressive throw is really in- impressive. Now, you know, again, the negatives with Kirk Cousins is just, yeah, he's not going to get out of the pocket and make that happen. He's not going to make a guy miss and still throw a sidearm laser like you know Aaron Rodgers does to where, yeah, every now and then that, that's what I think frustrates people him. Yeah. But if you just give him enough time to make the throw, he'll make it, even with people bearing down on him, like you said. You know, but he's just not going to do it in like a sexy, flashy way. No, that's not what he does. He's not going to throw off his back foot and throw a 35-yard laser or throw a ball sidearm like Mahomes or Josh Allen and make that happen. You know, and I think because of what he's paid in his contract, yeah. people want that all the time. No, that's just not what he is. And don't be mad at him. Don't hate the player. Hit the game. The Vikings <laughs> paid him all that money. It's not his fault. You know, he just did what he did, and he used the, the system to his advantage. Um, but amazing that way. Yeah. And, you know, I think like – you know, I think about – I think it was the first touch – or it might, it might have been the first touchdown or the first big play, I think, that set up the, the second – or the first touchdown for, for Minnesota. Dalvin Cook had a one-yard run. It was a six-play, 84-yard drive at the end of the first quarter. You know, I believe that's the drive where he hit Justin Jefferson on, like, a corner route, and he got all the way down to the one-yard line. And that, that, to me, was one of the plays where – 
I think it sums up like kind of the the question or what you said a minute ago was I think the Packers were trying to run blitz a little bit, so worried about Dalvin Cook. You know, they were playing some, you know, man behind it at the times. At other times they were playing like a blitz zone cover three. And it looked like they just ended up, you know, having the right route combinations to where they got one-on-one matchups. Or they confused the Packers with some different releases and how to cover it and how to switch it off in their zones. That was, to me, the thing that jumped out. And that's what I'm, I'm going to be excited about when I watch the film to just see exactly what they did because I did not expect that. Raul Del Toro, 15, says, Love the pod. Damn okay, Justin Jefferson. Is it time to say he's the best wide receiver in the league already? Ooh. Ooh well, best in the league. He's he's up there. You know, wide receivers one I got to go back and like look at right now a little because whew, there's there's some studs in the NFL right now at the do, wide receiver position. Do you want to go there? Would you take him over Devontae Adams mm. right now? Like I would. Yes. I know you would. I know I'm in the minority there. Yeah. But I look you've at him been, and go. You've been a noted Devonte Adams hater. Yeah, for a long I know time. exactly right. I'm in the, I am. I'm a, I'm a Devonte <laughs> hater. I guess that's official. I, I really respect what Devonte does. But yeah, Justin Jefferson to me is bigger and he's faster. You know, he's every bit as capable, if not more capable, with yards after the catch. So yeah, I look at like again, to me, just this is not like trying to make a top list here, but where I do think we've come to is like the. DeAndre Hopkins of the world have fallen down a little bit. All right. Yeah. You know, there's some other guys that have been mainstays. And I go, I think like the Justin Jeffersons, the Debo Samuels, the DJ Moores, the Terry McLaurin. Mm. Um, I'm seeing a prototype here. Well, uh, the AJ Browns to me have gone to the next level in the NFL and nobody's considering them the top five receivers in football yet. And I want to yeah. go, no, there they are. You just, you're just not comfortable saying it because their team's not that good or they're not like in an awesome offense to where it's yeah. just so smack in your face. You know, of course I'm going to put Tyree kill still in that conversation. DK Metcalf. Uh, maybe. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to put him quite there. Who'd you say Pete? Jamar Chase, I think, is very close into that conversation as mm-hmm. well. Yes. So I think, like, you know, again, those are some under-the-radar. These guys are way better than the public wants to give them yeah. at the wide receiver There's the position. changing of the guard. There's the right. changing of the There's guard. There's the changing here. of the guard. Right. Like, hey, Pete said Mike, Michael Pittman, Jr. Yeah. yeah, another guy's coming up the ranks there. I don't know if I'm going to put him in their class quite yet, but – you know, yes, I think there is a little bit of a changing in the guard. That's a good way to put it. When you got Cooper Cup, what do you doing else? Yeah, Cooper LA. Cup, right, exactly right. Am I, am I missing anybody? You know, I, I know there's a lot of good receivers out there, and I'm certainly not trying to – but I'm talking about guys that are, like, you know, not looked at as top receivers in football where I want to go, no, they are now. You know, you're just you're just not comfortable. I know Diggs is still really good. I got that. I'm giving you the guys that are under the radar jumping on the scene. Like right now, you know, Devontae yeah. Smith might be doing that here by the end of the year, too. You're seeing him pop more and more. But I think I hit, I hit on the guys I was trying to at least, you know, emphasize a and little bit. And it's crazy. They, they trade away Stephon Diggs and then immediately just replace him with Justin Jefferson. It's amazing. It, was, it mean, really they, is. They did, they did well with that whole what, transaction. What's even more amazing is, um, and what makes me sad, 
is it was Aaron Rodgers' best game of the year. So let's compare the two of them. I think yeah. we got a comparison with Aaron Rodgers and, and Kirk Cousins here, where they were throwing the ball around. Look at yeah, Pete says, look at the lasers here. Look at the lasers from Aaron Rodgers. All those touchdown passes deep down the field. Yeah, yeah. You you thought this was his best game? I I did. I thought just when you look at it, just as far as like the throws he made and the importance they had to the football game. You know, the moments where you go, oh, man, they need a big play. They need a big throw. He delivered almost every time as the game went on. Of course, they got down early. You know, they weren't able to run the ball with, like, great effectiveness yesterday. And I thought it was him and just some absolutely exceptional Aaron Rodgers-type throwing that, you know, gave them a chance to win that football game. And, you know, it was one of those days where you're like, well, if he gets the ball last, he, they're going to win. You know, yeah. unfortunately, he threw a one-play 75-yard laser <laughs> yeah. that gave the Vikings two minutes to go yeah. down and score and end the game. Yeah, both those teams had, like, two possessions that were the last of the game. It, was, it seemed it was, like it was going right? to be, and then right. it was like they all scored too fast. Yeah, it was a fun uh, game. I think it was the funnest game of the day, though. I'm with you there. 148 passer rating for Rodgers in the game. He had been 31-0 and in his career when he had a passer rating above 132. So the first time he lost, playing that well. Orion Cheselwet said, hey, guys. What's up, I was, Orion? I was wondering if body expert Chris noticed anything different about Rodgers' movement in the loss to the Vikings. Still made a few highlight plays yeah. on the move. How much of a concern is that toe going forward, given Mahomes' struggles with a toe injury late last year? So he's got a toe injury, yeah. Rodgers. So, he, he said this is really bothering him. said it's going to be bad next week. And right. Then he's got, well, I think they have the bye then, yeah. and so then it could heal up and right. feel better. But he said it was very painful. Did you notice anything? I, I can't say that I did. Right? I, I can't either. say that I did. You know, And, and again... I can't say that I remember seeing him just totally sprint like, oh, wait, the pocket collapsed. Let me go run for a first down. Right. I can say, though, of course, just in the pocket and stuff, I didn't feel like I saw any hindrance there. And then, you know, arguably the throw of the day to DeGuara for the, the touchdown that made it 16-10. to 10. I mean, Amin, he scrambled to his left and – you know, I'm not going to say he was at full speed, but he was running at a good speed. And he throws the ball from about the 25-yard line. And Deguara is like five, six yards deep in the end zone. And just right-handed. I mean, it's like he didn't even turn his body all the way. And he just, like, I just he's unfucking real <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. Yeah. The ball went six feet off the ground for 30 yards, running to his left, without torquing his body, and you're just like, what? How does that do that? And I'll use what, what Drew Brees has said to me many times this year already about Aaron Rodgers. He just his, The thing he loves to say, he's a biomechanical freak. That's what he says. Yeah. He's a biomechanical freak. Yeah. You know, his ability to transfer power from the ground to his arm and you know, just be in awkward positions and still the throw. He's like, there's nobody like him. Uh, and you know, you know me. You don't have to tell me that. I'm sitting over there when Drew says that. I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know. Tell me yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and somehow he didn't win this game. And Mike Zimmer yeah. was able to figure him out again. Uh, since 2014, that was Mike Zimmer's first year in Minnesota. Rogers just seven six and one versus the Vikings. So Zimmer after the game ran over and said, "I own you." That's what he said. No, he didn't he said, do that. He said, discount, double-check this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eat it. Something along well, those lines. I, I will say that Zimmer, you know, their defense is not great, but when they can get you into, wait, you can't run the ball as good as you want to run the ball, and now I got you throwing the ball a little bit more than you want, you know, he could be a pain in the butt that way. Mm. And I think, you know, Green Bay has, you know, had years where they've been a little bit 
to Rodgers, one-dimensional, and need to rely on that. So, yeah, I mean, Zimmer's one of the greatest secondary coaches in the history of football. You play that style, he'll give you an issue. I don't care who you are. Last note on this game, bad news this morning, confirming that uh, oh, Jenkins towards ACL. That was stinks. a Pro Bowl left guard last season. Yep. Was playing very well at left tackle this year. David Bakhtiari still recovering from his torn ACL but practicing from Bakhtiari. So he that's an encouraging so be, thing. They might get him They'll back. They'll get him back here, I would think, sometime in the next two to three weeks, which which would be huge. But, yeah, that, that stinks right there. You know, because, again, we've talked about it a lot this year. The Packers have a toughness about them to me that they haven't had in years past. Mm-hmm. And I think it is because of guys like Elgin Jenkins and, and company. So yeah. uh, that's a shame to see. Yeah, their, I saw the play. Their ACLs need to get the message. Toughen up, ACLs. Oh, this man. is a tough team Ooh. with tough play. Players yep. step up. Um, so that's bad news there. Bad news. Hopefully a good recovery, quick yeah. recovery yep. for, for him. No uh, doubt. We'll go to another team that's got a lot of injuries with the Tennessee Titans in a second. But we want to remind you that we are supported by Under Armour. Just like us, Under Armour wants to give you an edge, Chris. Yeah, I mean, look, they're giving me an edge. Look at my cool sneakers. So fast. Yeah, today. I look awesome today, and they're comfortable. They're focused on... They're focused on performing better and taking their game to the next level. Everything from running shoes that propel you forward to hoop shoes that give you insane grip. I will D you up with my shoes on they right now. even make hoodies that reflect energy. So now we need to get you in an Under Armour hoodie. I know. I want to do that. I, I said that. They're, they're called anti-Florio hoodies. So I need to get them. <laughs> uh, we're not just about the end result, winning or glory. Yeah. Under Armour is about the hard work, the dedication, the cycle of training, competing, and recovering. We give you advantages, but not shortcuts. The, the only, only way, way is through. through. Got to go through. Yeah, Under Armour. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Love the kicks, too, man. I really do. I'm pumped about it. My, my, I, like, my little boy, when he saw him, ooh, he was like, he was jealous. Oh, really? He really was. And they, they send in that crate there with the Cookie Monster fur inside. Yes. They sent a bunch of, like, cool stickers, too. So I brought them home from my okay. boy. Again, he used those. They're like Steph Curry, Cookie Monster, How Sesame old is Street. Philip now? He's, He's 11. So does he, he – what does he use his stickers on? Um, put on? One was on his phone. Okay. Another was on, like, his school laptop. I saw there was four stickers. He put two of them on there right away. Ooh, and then is that two okay? Is the school it. okay with that, putting uh, the stickers on the laptop? We'll see. Well, what we're paying to go to that school, they should be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't believe I got a kid going to private school. I, I know, I know, what I a, know. What a that's all right. wimpy dad I am. Well, that's all right. Yeah, Sometimes private school toughen you up even more than public no, there, school. There, there is some, some truth to that. stuff that goes there is, well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there, There's some truth as far as the school's concerned. His school's tough, so yeah. it's made him a better student. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All the best to, to fill up the stickers out there, the shoes, hopefully get him some of those. He's going to like them. Uh, the Tennessee Titans need some good luck right now because they have a couple losses this year. Uh, they've lost to the Jets, and now they've lost to the Houston Texans. Uh, 22-13 was the final score. Texans never trailed in this game, and so they improved to 2-8 versus a team that came in as 8-2. Of course, the big storyline here is that you you don't have Derrick Henry. You don't have – A.J. Brown was was hurt in this game, and then Julio didn't play at all in this game. Yep. So it's like clearly you've got injuries here, but you know the storyline's going to be you know ever since Derrick Henry went out, that rushing game obviously has been basically cut in half. If right. you're watching here on YouTube, and the big play offense isn't there now. <coughs> combined with all this, it was miserable there. Miserable at the game. It was rain, right. muddy. It just seemed like a bad time to be throwing the football. So yep. there are plenty of excuses for the Titans in yeah. this game. Do you give them all those excuses? Um, yeah, to a degree. Yeah, you know, I mean. Hey, you're, you said it right. We're seeing the Derrick Henry effect, the ripple effect of it's, it's affecting other parts of their offense. So their play-action pass big plays have not been there. 
You know, it was the first game since Derrick Henry's been out that the other team didn't let them off the hook a little bit or the referees didn't help out a little like the Saints game last week too. Not to take anything away from the Titans, but like, yeah, they've been fortunate to play a Rams team that kind of screwed it up. And we didn't really have to see their offense be under any pressure or do anything special that way. You know, the Saints game last week, yeah, similar similar in, in a lot of ways as well. You know, did some good things. I understand that. But, you know, I think got fortunate. Defense made, us, made some big plays to help them win the football game. I, I'm not panicked about the Titans. I'm not. I, I still think they're a good football team and they're going to manage situations the right way. You know, Tannehill was off yesterday. Yeah, the weather was miserable. But, you know, I, again, it goes back to, like, a conversation we have a lot. And, it, and this is why I love the NFL, because it's just it's not college football. So a team goes on an ugly first drive of the game and gets a field goal. You know, you come down the field, you drive the ball, you throw a bad interception over the middle, and he returns it all the way to the bat, another six-yard line. Your defense makes a stop and holds him to a field goal. And you go, whoa, it's only 6 nothing. They're kind of being outplayed and they've messed up. It's only 6 nothing. But then they do nothing uh, on the next drive, and they punt, punt it out to Houston, and Houston puts together a touchdown drive. So now you're down 12 nothing. All right? 12 nothing. And then what was it? Two series. I think Tennessee ends up uh, – I just want to make sure I get this. They get stopped on a fourth and one, all right, as they're driving the ball. They're in Houston territory, all right? Houston does a little something with the football, just like gets a few yards – they punt it, and Chester Rogers fair catches it at the five yard line, but waits like is a little too daring. So they're down twelve nothing. Mm-hmm. You know they've not played great defense, but okay. They've thrown an interception as they were in field goal range. They've got stopped on a fourth and one while they were in field goal range, and now your punt returner does a fair catch and tries to block the guy from downing the ball at the three or four yard line, and the ball hits him in the foot. And it's on the three-yard line. Yeah, I don't give a shit who you are. You 85 Bears, fucking 2001 Patriots. You're going to have a hard time winning that game. I mean, it just sums it up right there. It's the NFL. And, you know, I'm not shocked that Houston kept it close. Houston's defense is better than people realize. It's been a shitty offense all year, and we always talk about this. Like, you can be a good defense, but if you're out there every four plays, you're going to get worn out and start not looking good eventually. Right. And they don't. Let, they play a lot of cover too. They got some big people up front to slow down the run game, and you know Tyrod Taylor made a few splash plays, and that was it. But it was just more, yes, Titans mistakes yesterday than anything. Yeah, and the defense tried to step up late for the Titans. They they had, had chances, four straight three and outs late right. in the game, and so they were giving the ball back to their offense. They were. And then Ryan Tannehill would then throw it. Throw back it. To they the get Texans, down in the so. end, yeah in the red zone. He throws an interception in the end zone or yeah. the two or three yard line. Right. I mean, there was. When the game was, I believe it was nineteen thirteen, or it might have been. I, I want to say it was, might have been nineteen thirteen, or it was nineteen six, and it was earlier in the fourth quarter. It was like twelve minutes in the fourth quarter, and that's when Tannehill threw the interception in the end zone drive. Like if they scored there, I was going, "Well, there was so much time in the game. Like right. the Texans' offense is dead. Like Tennessee's going to come back and win this game." That to me was the play that really made it hard for Tennessee was the fact that they were didn't get any points there, you know, Texans ended up punting the ball away and I think what happened too is it ended up being uh, another Tannehill interception the next series which gave them a field goal the Texans have kind yeah. of put the game away for for real. Around any corner, within every battle, 
and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. So it doesn't feel good for the Tennessee Titans. Ugly loss, but they had some excuses, some injuries. The Cardinals had excuses too, though, because they had no DeAndre Hopkins. They had no uh, Kyler Murray, still out with that ankle injury. But unlike the Tennessee Titans, they get a win against Seattle, 23-13. They improved to 9-2 and right now. And Colt McCoy, his yeah. third career 300-yard game, first since 2004, and it's the first time he's had two wins in a season since he was with the Browns in 2011. Now, Colt McCoy is a player who yearly shows up on your top 40 quarterback list. And people go, well, are you serious? You yeah. still putting Colt McCoy yeah. in the conversation yeah, here? Yeah, I am. Right. Now you know why. Victory lap time. Yeah, yeah, well, it is. It is. I mean, he's a really awesome backup quarterback. You know, let's not forget when he was the backup last year for the Giants, they went up to Seattle and he beat them there too, beat the Seahawks on the Giant with the Giants. You know, he's he's been a, this close like four or five times in his career to being a starter and kind of gotten hurt or just had some things go against him. You know, that game yesterday, yeah, 23-13 win, it was more dominant than that. You know, the the, the, the Arizona Cardinals missed two chippy field goals, yeah, something weird two extra points. Matt Prater in that yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, he was off. I mean, Prater's one of the greatest field goal kickers in the history of football. So that to me was, you know, it was one of those games where, yeah, the score looks okay, but really, Arizona controlled the flow of the football game throughout. And it looked a lot to me like the 49ers game a few weeks ago where Colt McCoy was the, you know, starting his first game, and they went into San Francisco and won right. that. You know, Patience with the run game, a lot of short throws to Rondell Moore to kind of keep them in second and six. He was great and just catching a lot of screens and, and flare passes and bubbles. And then it was... AJ Green and Zach Ertz and the and the drop back pass game down the field. You know, so defense, controlled the ball, efficient drives, you know, good third down conversions, and Cliff Kingsbury again running the ball twenty one times, sixty two yards for James Conner. Like what patience there. Mm-hmm. You're not really doing great, but you know you're seeing the big picture of the game. Wait, I got a second I got a, you know, a, a second string quarterback, you know, we're here in Seattle, you know, Russell Wilson, everything there. Our defense is playing good. Let me just, you know, be patient and see the big picture of the game. We're the better team. We're going to win if I don't do something stupid. And that's where I give Cliff Kingsbury a lot of credit. Yeah, there were boos in Seattle, too. There should have been. They were booing the team. offense. And I think afterwards, Pete Carroll, I mean, he was almost, like, apoplectic. I he think was so. like, I, I'm not good at this. I don't know what I don't – they haven't felt like this in a long time. They're 3-7 and seven right now. They're not figuring it out. And Diogo Mendez says, hi, Chris. Do you hi. think that – Hi. Uh, sorry. Hi, Chris. Hi, Diogo. Uh, hey, Chris, do you think that Russell Wilson has been figured out? I don't think it's only the offense anymore. He's lost his escapability, and because of that, he is slowly morphing into an average quarterback with poor reads and a great arm still. What do you think? I, you know, I don't want to say figured out. Um, Russell Wilson's definitely lost speed. That's something that I know, I know I think I've talked about it on the pod here. and I know my dad and I, we talk about it a little bit. He's not as elusive as he once was. Those days, are, they're, they're going to be done here soon. They are. He's not going to be able to make like Russell Wilson magic running plays for too much longer. So, yeah, there's an aspect of that, certainly. You know, the offense stinks. There, there's nothing else to say about it. There's really not. 
you know, they're not a good running team. And when they drop back and pass, I go, it's very simple concepts. There's, there's not a lot to offer there. And then I think added on to that, does he turn down some completions every game? A hundred percent. You know, again, let's say he was out of football for a long time here and he's probably still not a hundred percent gripping the football. Yeah. You know, we can't just think, oh, cause he's back. He's totally a hundred percent. He's not going to say so. Um, but yeah, the thing that I would say that I look at with Russell Wilson at times, and I saw it even last week in the Green Bay game, and we'll see if I see it when I watch the film of this game this week, is he will turn down completions in the middle of the field. He's too careful. Now, it's, to me, part of the, that is a product of Pete Carroll, who's always been like, just take care of the ball, and we're going to play defense, and don't try to force anything and do that, to where he's so you know, handcuffed about, like, letting it fly sometimes, I think that affects him, let alone he's a smaller quarterback and sometimes they have problems seeing down the middle of the field. That is, to me, the biggest weaknesses I see with his game more than anything. Still think he's phenomenal. Yeah, is he, like, top three quarterback, top four quarterback in football? No, not right now. He's not. But he's still top ten for sure. Is it over? Is this it for Russell in Seattle and Pete Carroll I think Carroll it's heading that way. I do. I don't want to say I it's think over it might for be Pete Carroll. I don't know. I know. It's, it's looking starting bleak. It's feel like that. It's looking like the bleak. Way, like, who, who, what, what coach have you know? Like, I'm not good at this. I, don't, I can't figure this well, out. Well, he's this just is... not. I mean, you know, again, he's, he's spoiled, for lack of a better way to say it. I, I don't mean it. Like, Pete Carroll's the fucking man, all right? It's one of the greatest coaches in the history of football. But he's... He went from USC to kicking ass to a few years of Seattle of getting the team in the right place to where they were good and competitive and yeah. playoffs and borderline playoffs. And then they took over the NFL for a number of years. Yeah, he's not used to this. It's been a long time since he's done this. You know, so he's had some things work against him. But, you know, do, I mean, and he's some of older. the coaching changes he's, haven't worked. Yeah, that's true. GM has definitely failed him to a degree and it has not been as a talented team the last few years. So I think there's some things that have played against him as well. And you're right, he's getting older. You know, he's a little bit still stuck in his old ways of we're going to run the ball and play defense. Well, that's defense. the problem because he's going to need, if he's going to want to stick it out and yeah. say, okay, I want to stay be a here, a little. You've got, you're going to bring in a quarterback, right? And you're not going to have a quarterback that's going to win you games like Russell Wilson did. It's just not, I mean, Statistically, probability-wise, it's not going to happen. No, right? and I don't so, even know if Russell Wilson will be there again. I, exactly. I, so if, I, yeah. if you don't have Russell Wilson yeah. there, then you're you're starting from scratch again. And is Pete Carroll really going to sign up for that? Yeah, I don't know. It's a very good question. You know, I, I I don't look at him as being the type to retire early or anything. Mm-hmm. He he seems like he's a psycho, where he's not <laughs> like free time yeah. and Pete Carroll don't seem like they go well together. He's got a lot of gum to chew. He's got know? a lot and of gum like, to chew. He's got a lot of energy. I just can't imagine him calling it quits anytime soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly they're in trouble. It is over. I mean, it's over. They're they're not going anywhere this, this year. This year, it's over. It's over. I've been saying that you know all year long. It's just what on their roster was making anybody think it was going to really happen, other than Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf. You know, magic. Okay. Yeah, Jamal Adams hasn't been as good. You know, he's their really only marquee player on the defense. Everybody else is just okay. The secondary, the corners are average. There's no great pass rusher. You know, so there's there's you know the offensive line is not that great. The running backs aren't that great. Tight ends are not that great. I mean, it's just nothing to look at to go, oh, wow. And, you know, you look down their final stretch of their schedule, Washington football team. I mean, of course they can lose to them. You know, they got the 49ers, the Texans, the Rams, the Bears, the Lions, the Cardinals. Yeah, there's not, nothing's a gimme for them right now. Yeah, I know the Lions. They should beat them. Houston Texans, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if that's a nail-biter. I mean, it's, again, they're, every game's going to be close. They're not good enough to think they're just going to dominate anyone. Crushing them right there. It's like, Sorry. geez, doctor, the, the patient's dead here. Boom. All right, Damn. lay up a little bit. Uh, they're <laughs> three and seven, and Chris says they are dead in the yeah. uh, 2021 season. All right, time to go into the newsroom. 
It is time to give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. Three games are that are Did in you our like my sound? front Did page you? of the paper. Yeah, breaking good, right? breaking news, yeah, breaking right. news, yeah. uh, breaking news in Washington. Uh, it actually was in Charlotte, but they beat the Panthers twenty-seven twenty-one in the in the Cam game. It was uh, back in Carolina versus Ron Rivera, his old coach there, and Washington won. What's your headline for the game? Superman returns, but. Rivera revenges. Ooh, Ooh, okay. He's the kryptonite. That does sound like a comic. Yeah, I mean, listen, that was that was actually a, a fun game to watch yesterday. You it would really not have was. signed up to maybe watch that, although maybe you would have signed up to watch that game, just seeing Cam go back to Carolina exactly. and face Ron Rivera. But I think the storylines are yeah, pretty good. The two teams aren't always that interesting, no, right? No, exactly. Kind of could be a defensive slog, but there were so many interesting plays in this one, and Taylor Heineke versus Cam Newton. The story going into the game was all about Cam Newton. Right. But then Taylor Heineke, even though Cam didn't play bad, I mean, no, he played okay no, and had that long-running touchdown. Good enough for them to win the game. Taylor Heineke outshone Cam Newton and Charlotte. Yeah, is that what you say? Outshone or outshine? Or what are you going to say it, there? I, I think yeah. if I'm from England, for <laughs> British listeners, maybe it's outshone. Okay. All right, yeah, good. He was outshone. Cam was outshone. By Taylor Heineke, who outshined him. Oh, okay. Is that a, I'm gonna. We'll, we'll, uh, we need Kristen, to do that. Edit that together in a way that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm. Gonna, well, I'm throwing the challenge flag. I don't think it's outshone, <laughs> but I don't know. Don't I ask think me. There's, I think there are times where you might be. If you not, be. we're inventing it today. Um, you said it. Cam played, you know, well. Yeah. There's no doubt. Made some great throws. I thought, you know, the first drive of the game was very well thought out. Had some creative plays that really fit them and their team. I mean, the touchdown pass he had a DJ Moore. They fake the quarterback draw, and as he's running up the line of scrimmage, he hits him with a little post route. That was really cool. Yeah. They got to continue to do stuff like that. You know, use, you know, Cam's strengths, uh, you, know, uh, you know, against the other team a little bit. Uh, so that was cool. The, their offense played good enough to win the game. I think to me it was the, shocking of the, the shock of the game was kind of what you said. Heineke magic, Washington offense kind of consistently moving the ball on Carolina all game long. You know, Carolina, it was like the three touchdown drives were literally the only time they moved the ball the whole game. I felt like everything else was like three and out or six and out or five and out, whatever else. So it was really just those three touchdown drives. But I think when I look at Washington, you know, I, I did not think they would run the ball the way they did. You know, of course, we saw Terry McLaurin and how special he is once again against some good cover corners out there in Carolina. And then, you know... Heineke making just a few plays here and there, that, and like in big moments, like the fourth down and three that gave them the go-ahead field goal, scrambling to his left, making somebody miss, waiting to the last possible second, completion, boom. You know, it's just a good mix. Uh, and Washington's playing good football right now. They're a pain in the butt, as you could see. 190 yards rushing, so that did open up things for Taylor Heineke. Our good friend uh, Josh Norris, you remember him over yeah, at Roto World, right. moved on now. He was on Twitter just singing the praises of Scott Turner and the offensive game plan for right. them and the execution on third down. They were yeah. 6 of 13 on mm -hmm. third down. They were 2 for 2 on fourth down, including what was, I mean, it, well, that was one of the coolest plays. I it was thought, one of the coolest the plays of Sunday. And three, right. Heineke debates. It did set up the game-winning field goal uh, for Heineke there. So I mean, it was just great scrambling by, by Taylor Heineke, who finished this week leading the NFL with air yards per pass. Ooh. So 12 and a half times, or 12 and a half yards per, yards per, per pass. pass. Yeah, it looked the like field. that. It looked like that yesterday. I mean, again, that's where, you know, McLaurin came into play big time yesterday. And Carolina, of course, has like corners where they just go, we didn't, we know you got Terry McLaurin, but we don't care. Our corners are good. We're going to play you man-to-man. -man. And they didn't let him off the hook that way. 
You know, that's where they're special. Uh, and McLaurin is special, as we've talked about a few times on this podcast. But, you know, Heineke has um, definitely stepped up his game, uh, I feel like, the last few weeks to where it's it, – I know he always made a few magical plays, but there was always yeah. a few plays where I went, oh, if he threw a better throw there, that should have been a bigger play or maybe a touchdown or the, it should have been a first down. There was some of that, I felt like, in the Packers and even in the um, – the Denver game where they lost, you know, some close football games. Last few weeks, I just feel like nothing's being left on the field. I didn't watch the film last week of, of Tampa versus Tampa and Tampa's defense where I went, oh, man, he missed a handful of plays. He should have had, you know, more points, more yards. It's He's playing good football. Washington's got a little mojo going. They do. They do. Washington's mm-hmm. defense got some talent. You know, their offensive line's good. They can run the ball. And if he can continue to throw the ball the way he is, they're going to be a pain in the butt down the stretch. They're four and six. Yeah. A half game behind Philadelphia. And Dallas at seven and three. You know, we've seen some chinks in the armor for the Cowboys here recently. So if they continue to to have struggles, no who knows? Doubt. Maybe that division's not over. Maybe Quite not. Yet. Still I mean, the Eagles of Washington are certainly going to give us something to talk about there. That's, yep. that's the, the big thing. And I think with Dallas, who still has the Eagles right one more time on their schedule, and they got Washington on their schedule twice, yeah, they're not, they're not like cupcake wins now, for sure. They're not. They, they, these two teams can certainly beat them if the Cowboys mess up, make a bad play, whatever. There's no cupcake win for the Baltimore Ravens. No. Every, every game for them comes down to the final seconds, it seems like. It seems like they could have lost every game, but uh, they are one of the top teams in the NFL. They beat the Bears 16-13, to even without Lamar Jackson. Your headline for this one. Yeah, I mean, it's um, go do your thing. And people might go, what do you mean? I, I'm, I was about to say yeah. that. What well, do you don't mean? you go do your thing because you like to choke on energy drinks, right? So, <laughs> no, I don't like to. It just happens to me. <laughs> go do your thing is the text message Lamar Jackson sent oh, to Tyler Huntley cool. on the way to the bus before the football game. Yeah, no Lamar Jackson. Go do your thing. And you know that's what the Ravens, you're right. I mean, they're the ultimate cardiac kids. Just yeah. <laughs> find a way to ugly, make plays, get it done. Yeah, he played well, though. He made a number of good throws for the game, didn't make any crucial mistakes, and, of course, being the big play at the end of the football game where, like, Chicago busted the coverage. He had pressure. He runs out to the right and finds Sammy Watkins for the big play that got them down in scoring position to win the game. Ultimately, that was the play of the day, so good job by Tyler Hundley. Coming in a situation that wasn't easy on the road against a good Bears defense. I wasn't that familiar with Tyler Huntley before this game. Utah was a three-year starter for them, undrafted in 2020. Uh, Yeah, they didn't ask him to do a whole bunch. In fact, that Completion to Watkins was, was the first the time the day, he threw right? the ball more than 20 yards down the field right. all game. So, uh, so yeah, and they did just enough. And and the story really would have been the Bears' defense probably if they didn't if they didn't come down and yeah. score the Ravens there right. at the end because Robert Quinn had a big game, three and a half sacks and a losing effort. But get this crazy stat. Yeah, let me hear it. The Chicago Bears now have eight straight losses following a bye. So wow. coming off their bye, they have now lost eight times in a row. Their last win was Week Nine in 2013 at Green Bay, so that is a little bit of an indictment on the coaching staff there, and that dates back even pre Matt Nagy. But still, that's not a great trend. No, it's it's definitely not a great trend. There's there's no doubt about it. I mean, I think it speaks to what you're talking about a little. You know, the fact that yeah, they're just 
They bring nothing new to the table on a bye week. It's and still, though they had the injury to Justin Fields in this sure, game. Sure, that, that hurt. And, hey, it was great great that they got, you know, uh, a guy like Andy Dalton to come off the bench, and he throws a little screen past to Mooney, who breaks a long touchdown. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the all-out blitz. Hey, the ability to to recognize it, know where to go with the football. You know, that was a big moment in the football game, too, certainly. So they did some good things there. But, yes, you know, I think your point is is something that, you know, I, I try to make a lot. I just I, – I, I don't understand their offense. They don't give their team a whole lot of advantages. And to me, it is the worst offense in football. It really is. So Worse than the Lions. I, mm, no, it's not. Oh, so, okay. So I'll we get to I'd see that it, battle give it a on better, Thanksgiving. I give it a, a better advantage than that, I will say. I, I'll give them a little bit of an advantage on the Lions. Maybe not even like schematically, but at least yeah. they have enough players to make it go. I don't know if I actually schematically – you're right. It's schematically the worst offense in football. I'm sorry. <laughs> I stand corrected. All right, and here's, here's another one that I, I want to get to here because this is – to me, it was one of the sneaky – Big parts of the football game okay. here, and I want to make sure I get this right here. So I'm trying to go through this just just make sure because again I've watched every football game in the world, and I just want to make sure. Hold on, so I got this right. Okay, here we go. I got it right. I was right. It's seven to six. Bears. Yeah. All right. It's Tyler Hunley at quarterback. Yep. They have not been able to do much. On the offensive side of the ball, uh-huh. okay? The Bears got the ball at midfield. It's fourth and one. I mean, we know they went for it because that's all anybody does anymore is go for it. Yeah. Except for teams like the Patriots or some of the other teams in football that go, wait, field position is actually a real thing. Let's do it. Like, okay, you know, fourth and one, they go for it. They don't get it. Now, people are going to go, well, wait, Baltimore didn't do anything after that drive. No, they didn't. You're right. They didn't. But see, what had happened is it flipped the field po- field position, and it changed the game. So you're up 7-6. to six. Okay, fourth and one, they don't get it. Baltimore doesn't do jack diddly shit with it. He throws an interception, in fact, Tyler Huntley. But, you know, they got a first down, and now the interception happened at the 22-yard 20, line. Okay. So now Chicago's still got the ball backed up, right? They do nothing. They punt the ball back, okay? And Baltimore's got the ball in great field position. They're at the 45-yard line. They're right at midfield. Well, they get two first downs or one first down, and they're in field goal position for Justin Tucker. Now you're losing the game. Like, to me, again, that was another moment of the game where I know you, they're looking at me going, you're no. like, man, you were some Matt Nagy hater. No, 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 no. But, no, to I'm, me, I'm, I'm, I'm evaluate okay with the game that. for what it is. You're up seven six. Yeah, punt the ball down there and make Baltimore be in their own area. They well, haven't I, done anything. I think there's even more to that because I feel like is this the part of the game? Did they call timeout before they went for a fourth down oh, there? Is let this, me let is me this make where sure they here. they sent the punt team out there. Oh, this there is was a this chorus is it. of boos exactly right throughout the and stadium. And then he changed it. That's exactly what happened. Yes. Way to go. Way to yes. go. Yes, right. that's exactly that's why I was what giving happened. You that look. Yes. Okay. So, yes, double whammy there. But why? See, again, that's where, like, to me, uh, you know, some teams have the ability to see the big picture of the football game. And 
Like, and he did until the fans hated it. He, he did right. He let that affect him. I, I don't know what happened there. I don't. You know, it's one. I, I want to go back and watch it all again so I can get a better feel for like yeah. what. But but th- that to me was a huge moment in the game. And I know you're going to go. Well, it didn't directly score right there, but. To me, yes, it set up the field position for Baltimore to be in the position to then get the field goal two drives later. It was a defensive struggle type game. You got a guy who has not started a regular season game in the NFL, right? So why, when you're up by one, give him a chance and give their offense a chance to get one first down or one lucky play, and now they're winning the football game? That, to me, made no sense. And so... When you don't have good schem- scheme- schematics and then you don't manage the game the right way, that is what's uh, frustrating to me about the Bears. Ravens pull it out. Feels like they could have uh, lost plenty of games this season, but they are 7-3 and three in the top of the right. AFC North right now. It's the they, weirdest 7-3 and three team I've ever seen. They're one game ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals, who are back. They beat the Raiders emphatically 32-13. to 13. Your headline for this one is? Bengals are in the mix. There we go. We are. Or I also thought of not ordinary Joes. I feel like we've done, we've done that. <laughs> I one. think I've done it like four times. <laughs> Every time we have the Bengals in the section, it's like oh, the Joes. Joes. Joe Cool or Joe Cool no or Joe Mixon. Joe. Yeah. Uh, Joe yeah, Mixon's right. seventh straight game with a touchdown for for Joe Mixon, which they didn't really throw the ball all that much no. or that well. It nope. wasn't like they needed to because the first seven possessions for Las Vegas, Derek Carr had just eighty yards. And so for the second week in a row, that Raiders offense looks stumped. I think we're officially seeing the Gruden effect or the no Gruden effect. You know, that, that, you know, again, Gruden's an offensive genius. Say what you want about him, whatever. Personally, I understand that. But, you know, his ideas, his energy he can bring to that side of the football. And to me, the biggest thing that they're missing, Ahmed, is, you know, where Gruden was special is, yeah, we know the meat and potatoes knows how to execute and do all the little things. But – where he made their offense and the meat potatoes even better is his ability to like every week, you know, and I experienced this was find four or five plays that were screw you plays. Like if we get them in this formation, they're going to do this and I've drawn this play up and it's going to screw them over. And that's where I feel like we're missing something, you know, from the chiefs the last few weeks, you don't see any game plan shots or ability to stretch the field. They had the one drive in the fourth quarter, right? It was three-play, 75-yard drive. Other than that, I mean, they couldn't find a way to muster offense, stay on the field, get a big play, do anything. Right. They really couldn't. And what I do want to see with the Bengals, because it was it was awesome to see as far as, you know, Joe Mixon, and then, of course, you know, Burrow just makes his handful of plays where you just go, ooh, wow, that's good. I wish they would find some ways to get some more big plays in the past game. They're too talented to throw the ball 30 times and only get 148 yards. That's against crazy. The, yeah, that's, it's, it's, they're too talented. they got to find more ways to get shots and be aggressive down the field too um but but i want to see what the Bengals did on defense too that's another thing the Bengals, of course coming off a of bye week i felt like they self-scouted themselves too one of my issues with them going into the bye week a little bit was they become a little bit like predictable and teams are starting to find ways to get big plays on them every week like we saw the browns big plays against them right. we saw the jets dice them up with short passes you know a little too predictable in their coverages i felt like they changed it up a little bit yesterday uh, but that was a big win for them and an, and a dominant win in a lot of ways yeah big win joe mixon going off for them uh, john isaac back to the raiders 55 says despite what the players say it does appear the loss of gruden 
and the rugs issue have taken their toll on the 100%. Raiders. He goes, even Derek Carr almost cursed yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if that's happening, I mean, that's yeah, almost rock right. bottom. That's almost rock that's, bottom. That's, that's rock bottom. Yeah, Derek for the Carr, Raiders. he does not like to curse. But yeah, Gruden, yeah, again. He, and rugs, the rugs issue. The rugs, so those the are two huge issues. Distractions, personal blows to your yeah. gut as if you're oh, a player on sure. the team. Yeah, it bothers you. And I think you can also, yeah, you can't take away or you can't hide the, the effect Ruggs had on games even when he wasn't catching footballs. You know, there's a real thing there. It's like Tyree Kill. You know, it's just. Can't leave him wide you open. Can't leave him wide open. You can't leave him one on one. He changes the structure of the coverage a lot of the times just because of him, even though we haven't maybe thrown him the ball in five series. And then the energy and the creativity of Gruden just cannot be replicated. Yeah. It cannot. Gruden brings an energy to the, 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 the facility every day that's, that's special. Whether you like him or not, the energy was there. Uh, so I do think they're missing that for sure. And that was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So three more games to go here. Uh, We will not end with the Lions, even though we probably should. Uh, They played against the Browns, 13-10, the final score. Uh, Cleveland here now. Here's the 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 good thing for Cleveland is they won the game, and uh, another good thing is that they actually have won some of these ugly games this year. It's the third win this season when scoring 17 points. They're just uh, too ugly. Fewer doesn't need to be this ugly. It shouldn't be this ugly with the with the guys they got on their team. So what? So the the big talking point here is Baker Mayfield. He yeah. walks off the field afterwards. He doesn't talk to the media. Seems like he walked off like uh, the final seconds of the game were still ticking off the clock, and so he left his team out there. He's hurt. Obviously, he's got the shoulder. He's got a foot injury now. Apparently, he's beat up. He's beat up. He looks like he's beat up out there. Um, what's going on? I mean, at some point you say, okay, he's hurting us. We should play Case Keenum. Right. Um, What's happening with Cleveland right now? Yeah, well, Cleveland, I think, you know, we know their run game's special. You've heard me say that a lot. Defense is small up front, and you're seeing teams that can run the ball just overpower them like the Patriots did, like like Detroit did yesterday. Yeah, Swift had 136 of Detroit's 245 yeah. total yards. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, there were some gashes in the game as far as the run game was concerned. But I think, you know, ultimately, I, I think with Cleveland, you know, it goes back a little to like what we've said all year long. The, the pass game cannot stand, on a, stand alone by itself. And Baker... Hey, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he's tough cookie. I really do respect Baker a lot. Uh, but, man, he missed some throws yesterday. I don't know what to say. I know he, he made a few throws where I went, wow, that was a great throw. But I would bet you there was five or six throws where I went, wow, that guy was wide open and he missed him. You know, the the first interception to – to um to uh, he's throwing the in cut to Jarvis Landry. I mean, Jarvis Landry's wide open. I mean, wide open. And he airmails it and throws it. 10 feet over his head, pick. You know, there was a few throws in that during the game where I went, and again, I'm not trying to be over picky here, where I just went, oh, this is Baker Mayfield. That's a slam dunk, like 20-yard completion, and he missed it. 
You know, and of course, being beat up and I'm sure not being able to practice and throw exactly the way he wants to is affecting him, no doubt about it. That's for sure. You know, but yes, their pass game is underwhelming. And if they can't run the ball with Nick Chubb and company, they're just not that special of an offense. I don't know anyone to say it. And their defense with talent and speed and everything is just, um, you know, it's good. It's just not great. It's not, to me, they're, they're just not living up to their potential quite, quite all the way. Six and five. They're going to have to make a decision with Baker Mayfield at the end of this year, next year, but this this year, because this was supposed to be a special year for them. I know. A lot of people picked him to be in the playoffs, and a lot of people picked him right. to be in the Super Bowl. Right. Including a guy including to my left guy here. right here. Yeah, I hear you. Are they still a potential playoff team? It's going to be tough. I mean, I th- potentially, yeah, I, I, they, they do. I, I just – hard team to, to figure out, really. Really. Baker's got to get healthy. Well, they he got to get healthy. You know, again, you know, like we've talked about before, their defense is number four in football. It's not the number four defense in football. I mean, it's it's all stats built up against some crap offenses early in the year. So, you know, all of that, everything has to improve. I, I think it's all disappointing. But like, well, you look at their schedule down the stretch here: Ravens twice, Raiders, Packers, Steelers, Bengals. Woo! Yeah, it's not going to be easy. It's not. Um, I. I think if you made me sit here right now and go, is Cleveland going to make the playoffs? I'd go, no, they're not. Hmm. Um, the way of what have I have seen the, the way I've seen them play the last few weeks, um, yesterday, the schedule coming up. I think if you made me pick all the teams there, I'd go, yeah, I'm going to bet on Cleveland being on the outside looking in. Trending in the wrong direction, the opposite story for another team on the fringes of the playoffs, the San Francisco 49ers. Big win over the Jacksonville Jaguars in a game that I think a lot of people thought, you're going to Jacksonville, trap game, West Coast team, traveling east. Uh, But Debo Samuel made sure that didn't happen. He came into this game, just one reception. 15 yards. He was not used as a wide receiver. He was used as a running back primarily, was playing in the backfield quite a bit. Eight carries, 79 yards, including a a touchdown. Is he one of the top playmakers, top five playmakers right now in the NFL? Yeah, 100%. He's a weapon. It's, it's, you know, it's Tyree Kill-ish. You know, it's it's whatever you want to say. Just everything he brings to the offense is, is special. Catching balls over the middle. You know, yeah, the ability to run the way he does at the running back position, it's it's amazing. There's no doubt. Yeah, to me, that's why, you know, going back to our conversation earlier, he's definitely in the, the running for one of the best non-quarterback players in the game right now. Do you think that's a thing that will continue, or is that just like kind of a quote-unquote gimmick thing for this game will make him the running I running think it back. was a gimmick at first, and then Shanahan was like, wait, I'm on to something. We're going to start doing this all the time. This is going to be part of our offense. Like, it's, I'm crazy. Whatever. He's built like a running back. He's got great natural running back skills. Why not just use him back there? I know hmm. I drafted him as a receiver, but let's put him back there too. And then it also gets Jeff Wilson in the game. Jeff Wilson, a lot of times, has been lead blockers and some of these things, too. So you don't know exactly what to expect. Oh, wait, is it Jeff Wilson going to be a tailback and Debo split out receiver? Wait, that changes our how we want to play defense. Oh, wait, Debo's a running back, and now Jeff Wilson's the lead blocker? Wait, now I'd like to be in a run defense. So they've, they've put some teams in schematical disadvantage that way. But like the, I, like you said it right, the 49ers, watch, I think just watch out time. I do. I know they lost – few weeks ago against Arizona and that stunk there's no doubt 
You know, again, I didn't look at that as being just a total physical whooping, though. That was a good game by Arizona, great approach by Cliff Kingsbury, and we talked about it. The 49ers messed some things up in that game. I think that game was going to go down to the wire, except there were some huge mistakes by the 49ers. So uh, I look at them with this running game, and I think that's what officially has come to, to, to light for me. Like, Shanahan's just gone, I'm going to run the fucking ball all day long and until we just can't go anywhere. I'm not going to stop running the football. And you're seeing that, and then just a sprinkled in few passes from Jimmy Garoppolo here and there. And that's how they're going to play ball here on out. Which makes it so much more successful for Jimmy G. He now has four games in a row where he has had a passer rating over 100, only only quarterback to have that streak going right now. And so it's like, yeah, the running it's, – it's how they play per, – it's the perfect way for them to play. It is. Running game, make life easy on Jimmy Garoppolo because he's still – I mean, he can make throws and make plays. He makes and we throws, saw it no doubt games. about it, 100%. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, on the other hand, we haven't seen that from, and there are some concerns out of Jacksonville that he's taken a step back here last couple weeks. Hasn't been pretty. He's definitely missed some throws. You know, I know yesterday I even saw it, and I think they at one point when I was – listening to the game as well they were like yeah Lawrence has been talking about he'd like to be more accurate yeah I mean Lawrence is a little like I said coming out in the draft yeah it it it, it wasn't as accurate as people think it wasn't a slam dunk he's a little all over the place with how he throws the football you know he hasn't quite become a machine yet and I think added to that and again you know it's not the greatest offensive system in the world either you know that would be so he's got a little bit of both of that working out working against him but yeah they had no chance yesterday I mean I never felt I mean, first off, when you go on a 20-play drive to start the game, like the 49ers did. 13-minute drive. 13-minute drive. Wasn't even a touchdown. Didn't even get a touchdown. (laughs) Kick a field goal, which I want to give Kyle Shanahan a lot of respect for. Just going, wow, he kicked the field goal because he saw the big picture of the game and just went, well, I think I can continue to do this all game long. And And I don't know if their offense can do anything. And there's no way I'm going to come away with no points from a 13-minute drive. Exactly right. That would be so deflating. (laughs) So uh, that that was... uh, um, yeah, I mean, really encouraging from the 49ers. I mean, the 49ers defense is good. It's not great, but it's good. And, of course, when Shanahan, he seems like he's dialed in right now. Mm-hmm. And he's got the health of his players. You saw Debo in the run game, Ayuk in the pass game, you know, and then some George Kittle mixed in there. That's a good combination to have, and that's going to make them tough to beat. A team that is looking more good, not great, but good, which is a big step up than what they were earlier in the year is the Miami Dolphins. They beat the Jets. The Dolphins now have won three in a row, and they're two games back in the win column for that seventh seed now. So, like we mentioned, every team in the NFL is in a playoff conversation. But that that was a win, not a not a blowout win, but a win nonetheless for uh, for Miami on a day when, when Tua – had a pretty good day. Yeah. Made some plays, definitely. Made some plays down yeah. the field. Yeah, he definitely did. You know, they ran the ball with a little success. I mean, again, it's not been a great Jets defense. I still will look at this, though. The, the Jets could have won this game. I will say that. You know, again, I, I uh, this was not necessarily the number one game on my mind as the day went on yesterday, okay? <laughs> but the Jets, two easy field goals missed. They're down, I'm going to say, inside the 15, and Joe Flacco gets – uh, blindsided, strip sack, fumble, you know, left points on the board there. They had some opportunities to, you know, be in control of the game or at least have the momentum in the football game and kind of floundered that away and just let Miami, you know, hang around. I think we saw why they went with Joe Flacco yesterday. Yeah, he was consistently good on offense. 
They weren't confused by what Miami did with all the blitz looks and dropping out and blitzing and dropping out. You don't know what you're going to get. So he was a great calming presence that way. Um, but, yeah, Miami just more talented football team, and Tua made a few throws, um, and, and they ran the ball effectively enough to, to pull out the win. But the Jets' positives kept this one close, and yeah. that rookie draft class is looking like a They are, right? Special. Michael Carter, Michael Elijah Carter. Moore. Yes. Yeah, they they got some ballers there. They do, definitely. And Zach again, Wilson can come back. Yep, yeah, Zach Wilson can come back. You know, and again, I think the Jets, I know people are down on the Jets, especially here in the New York area. But I think, you know, young team, let's not forget, ravaged by injuries. You know, let's not forget that, too. That's a real thing. Not just injuries, like important injuries, like big-time players. Yeah, Makai Becton and Jared Davis was out. And, you know, you're missing your Marcus May, who's the best player in your secondary. And, you know, LaMarcus Joyner hasn't been able to play the whole year for the most part. You know, it's been – Quinnen Williams, you know, been hurt and in and out of the lineup. So they've had a lot of things go against them. Um, but, uh, yeah, they put up at least a valiant fight yesterday, that's for sure. One more game to go. Yeah. It's the Monday night football game. Woo, woo, Giants woo. at the Buccaneers. Our friends at Points Bet have the odds, the over-under. We got New York at Tampa. Ten and a half is the uh, spread for this one. The defending Super Bowl champions favored by double-digit points, and the over-under is 50. What do you think of both of those? Well, I don't think – I think ten and a half is too much. Okay, I'll say that. Okay, I do. I, I think the Giants can listen. This to me, the Giants keep this close. If one thing happens, if they can just somewhat protect against Tampa, you know, can there not be like huge sacks, huge strip sack fumbles? Yeah, right. Which is a this is a big if yeah. with the Giants yeah. with the way they protect, and of course we know Daniel Jones has a little history there. But if that is limited. I, and it looks like the Giants are going to be pretty healthy on offense. Sounds like Saquon's going to play. Kadarius Tony's playing, right, Pete? Galladay? What's Galladay's status? They're all playing. Like, if they're smart about this, I think they're going to be able to move the ball on Tampa a little bit. No Vita Vea. That's going to be huge for yeah. the, the Giants, in fact, in that. So, you know. So you like a cover, and you like perhaps an outright win. I, I'm. I don't. I'm not going to go that much. I, okay. you know, just because the Bucks, I think, are going to be on their game after being disappointed about last week. But the the Giants are big up front. I think that can slow down the run game if the Bucks want to do that. They're very well coached and smart on the defensive back end and the secondary. And then, yes, I think with Tampa's defense missing their two or three best corners and no Vita Vea that they could be able to move the ball a little bit like we saw Taylor Heineke and company do. You know, that would be the big thing. Now, Taylor Heineke and Washington, they pulled off the upset last week too because at least they were capable of protecting and running the ball. I don't know what the Giants are going to do to, to, to make up for that, but I do think we could have a fun game tonight. So on Thursday you said Tampa will win 27-24? Yeah. You sticking 20, with that? Yeah, and so I, you you know, I, I, mean, I haven't got them all right, but I've been pretty close and pretty good with my picks this week and – We'll we'll see. I mean, I certainly was not too far off on my scores, and even some of the upsets. You know, I had the Titans only winning by six. I thought Houston matched up well with them, so I'm going to yeah. pat myself on the back here a little bit yes, with that. Um, I thought the Lions would hang in there with the Browns and the Bears. Ravens, I picked to be a field goal game. Colts, Bills, I thought it was an issue for the Bills matchup wise. So um, yeah, this is one I kind of feel that way too. It's a matchup league. And I do think the Giants have some some positives about the matchup against the Bucks. And a correction from earlier: cookies in basketball are a steal. 
usually in the front court while a player is dribbling. So it's not a three-pointer. It's a steal. Gotcha. We had said the cookies the cookies were the three points. But I think that's a good name for a three-pointer. Get some cookies in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, it's just that's what Steph Curry does is yeah. shoot three-pointers. I mean, so I just went with that. Yes. I mean, he's calling me old man Sims, Pete, over there. How dare he? And Steph Curry has outshone everyone else in the league so far. Sure. Pete, is that a word? Have we confirmed that's a word? Outshined is also right, a word, so right. we we're both right. Yeah, I would have preferred out outshined. Okay, <laughs> so next time, get your scout self self uh, self yeah. scout thyself yeah. and get to it. When we're together Sunday, I'll say outshined, not outshone. Okay, <laughs> thank you. All right, sounds good. All right, everybody, that's it. That's the Monday podcast. Chris Sims on button. Please subscribe, rate, review. Keep sending in your questions. It's a different week this week. There's going to be no what the fuck happened Wednesday podcast. It's going to be basically, I just think, a, a long picks podcast with Florio on Wednesday. So don't expect me to break down every play in the history of the NFL. Yeah. All right. It'll be and two picks podcast. Should, yep. We're going to do a Thanksgiving picks. Yeah. And then we're going to do the Sunday picks. So Got you'll it. have two podcasts through that. That's coming with me and Florio, the PFTPM, Chris Sims Unbutton collaboration. Uh, as always, we appreciate Under Armour and their sponsorship. And that's a show. And you're Ahmed Farid. I am. And I am Chris Sims. You are Chris Sims. You wear red pants. Yep. And, and you... I wear Steph Curry's. Oh, my gosh. All right. I do, too, though. I do, too, every once in a while. Every once in a while. Next time, okay. we'll both wear the Steph Curry's next time. Okay, fine. Sounds good. All right. Peace out, everybody. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.